Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Cynthia Hyatt is a Christian psychotherapist specializing in trauma therapy, couples, relationships, and personal development. She is passionate about your life and is here to encourage, teach, and inspire you to be your own best version. Find her online at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Now, with today's fresh insights, Cynthia Hyatt. Well, welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host. And thank you for joining me today and just really being willing to spend some time. You know, 30 minutes may not seem that long, but I know when our lives are busy, 30 minutes is a precious amount of time. So I'm so thankful you're joining me and really learning and, and growing in the Lord and, and really understanding more and more of who you are and, and really how amazing, how amazingly made you are and how very valuable you are. So we're talking this entire week on trust, and I know on Monday that I was gonna, going to go into this uh, issue of trust versus mistrust and really understanding the developmental process of humans. And But I really wanted to take time and talk about that issue of trusting God and really finding balance and really understanding what it means to trust. And so we're going to really start with this issue. And this is a little kind of psychoeducational, but I think it's going to be very helpful. And there's a, an amazing um, theorist and psychiatrist. His name is Eric Erickson. He's very famous for coming up with a template that really maps out developmental stages that all humans go through and each stage builds upon each other. And, and as we grow, when we accomplish the first stage and we accomplish it well, then we move to the next stage and that stage rests upon the first stage. If the first stage wasn't done well, uh, many times we kind of have to go back in and redo some of that, heal it, shore it up, repair it. And interestingly enough, the first stage that every human has to address, and this is at infancy, this is from the day you were born until you are two years old. This is pre-verbal. Some children are kind of speaking around the age of two, possibly, and but they're certainly making sounds. They're really testing out their world. And this is where hope is created. This is a very tender time in the life of humans from zero to two years old. And this hope, the way that we cause children to move through that stage, accomplish the stage of trust, ends up with the virtue of hope. See, if they're able to accomplish trust and be able to trust, they go into their third year with hope which causes them to be more adventurous, more risk-taking. And so the existential question in this developmental stage is, can I trust the world? Now, intellectually, as adults, we know, of course, we can't trust the world. But an infant doesn't have the comprehensive ability to think about God. So their parents are God to them just like we have a tendency to be God for our pets, right? And so from zero to two, the parents are representative of God. 
Now, I know that's heavy because none of us are perfect parents, and some of us have made very have made terrible mistakes. But what I always tell parents, and what I want you to have some consolation in, is that God knows who he's giving children to. He's not shocked and surprised that you're going to make mistakes. And he's not shocked and surprised that you may make some very, very big ones. Because ultimately, he is the parent. He's the one we go home to. Ultimately, he is our father. So we have in the world many representations of parents, moms, dads. Ultimately, God is our father, and ultimately, that's who we return to. And that's who's overseeing everything. He's the one that can compensate for the struggles that we as human parents have. Because you have to remember that we were raised by humans as well. We're all hoping to do better than what our parents did. That is our hope. So this first stage in this theory centers around the infant's basic needs being met by the parents. And that interaction leads to the ability to trust the caregiver or to begin to mistrust the caregiver. Now, if any of you struggle with anxiety, many times people that struggle with anxiety have anxiety disorders. Many times we can trace this back to the trust versus mistrust issue. And that there may have been in your developmental stages some missed opportunities by parents. Uh, You may have had parents that were absent, parents that were um, conditional, parents that were struggling with their own issues and imposing them upon you, parents that had unrealistic expectations, parents that didn't know how to be there for a crying baby, didn't know how to comfort, didn't know how to give basic needs, or gave them sporadically. And so this interaction between this infant and the primary caregiver, which is generally the mom. Boy, moms get a lot of, a lot of, get a bad rap many times. This, this is where it's an essential truthfulness of others, as well as this fundamental sense of one's own trustworthiness. That's what trust is. Trust is defined as an essential truthfulness of others, as well as a fundamental sense of one's own trustworthiness. So how truthful are you with me and how trustworthy am I with you? Now the infant depends on the parents, especially the mom, for sustenance and for comfort. Many parents do the sustenance really well. They're really good about basic physical needs, changing the child making sure that they're bathed, making sure that they have the meals on time, but they might not be great always with comfort. Then we have some parents that are really good with comfort but are very sporadic in the care that they give. So the child's relative understanding of the world and of, uh, subsequently of society really comes from the parents and their interaction with the child. I mean, this is, this is I don't want you to be going back and looking at how you raised your children and... and and condemning yourself. I really want you to look more at what happened with you so that you can work on trusting you more, trusting God more, and trusting others appropriately. That's why we're doing this. 
We are not doing this so that we look at how terribly we did our children and beating ourselves up for that or how terribly we have done other relationships. This is about understanding God's grace and mercy, that he knows we live in a fallen world with fallen people and that the majority of us really are doing the best we can. We really are. We don't want to purposefully hurt children or not give them what we need and what they need. So a child's first trust is always with the parent or the caregiver, whomever that might be. And even if the caregiver is secondary, whereas the parents are primary, see, the parents are always primary in the child's eyes, even if they are regularly cared for by another for for greater amounts of time. Let's say you have a nanny. That child certainly can glean, that infant can glean a lot of trust from a really solid nanny. But the child knows who the parents are. And that's where they really, that's the primary area. That's where the eyes of the child looks through that. That the parents are primary. So if the parents expose the child to warmth, regularity, dependable affection, well, the infant's view of the world is going to be one of trust and less anxiety, less trepidation. The child will have far more confidence. Now, if the parents fail to provide that, that secure environment, they fail to meet the child's basic needs. And I'm not just talking about food and clothing and bathing. I'm talking about comfort, attentiveness, being seen. If you've listened to the show when we talk about, you know, do you see me? Or, uh, you know, uh, the God who sees me. The importance of being seen. So the infant's world really is from zero to two, trying to determine, can I trust this world that I'm in? And parents oftentimes fail to provide that secure environment to meet child's basic needs. And when they do, there's going to be a sense of mistrust. So I think all of us can say we probably didn't have perfect parents. So we may have some mistrust. And that may show up, like I said, in anxiety, or it may show up with skepticism, suspiciousness, people needing to prove themselves repeatedly, always looking for when the next shoe will drop, always really scrutinizing what someone says, if they follow through with it, can they really be trusted? And sometimes, interestingly enough, if a child doesn't have that trust from zero to two, Sometimes they do the opposite. They go out into the world very young and they trust too much because they're trying to find that person they can trust. And so instead of being skeptical or cynical, suspicious, they end up way too trusting. And they don't have a filter, an adult filter that says, you know, I need to take some time with this person, see if things match up not in a suspicious manner, but just in, a, in a, a very responsible manner. So what you want to think about is when mistrust occurs, the development of mistrust, it can lead to feelings of frustration, suspicion, withdrawal, lack of confidence, or over-trusting. So according to Dr. Erickson, the major developmental task 
in infancy is to learn whether or not people, especially primary caregivers, are going to regularly satisfy basic needs. That has to do with the care of the, of the child, their body, what they need uh, in terms of sustenance, but also comfort, presence, being seen. So when the caregiver is consistent, then that, that infant learns that others are dependable and reliable. They will go into the world assuming the best of people. If they struggle with mistrust to any degree, they're going to go into the world mistrusting people and not giving them the benefit of the doubt until they prove it. The problem is, the more deep that wound of mistrust is, that's where we get that situation where I'm constantly having to prove to this person. It's like a well that has no bottom. I keep pouring into it, but it doesn't stick. It doesn't stay. No matter how many good deeds I do, no matter how dependable I am, no matter how faithful I am, no matter how truthful I am, no matter how reliable I am, one little mistake, and this person says, oh, I can't trust you. Because when we look at the younger parts of ourselves or younger people, younger humans, see the world as very black and white. So if I struggle with this mistrust issue, I'm going to see the world very black and white, which means that I trust you until I don't. And so I give you just enough, but you constantly have to prove yourself to me. And instead of recognizing that God has brought this person into my life who seems and appears to be extremely trustworthy, instead of taking advantage of that and letting that heal me so that I relax inside, and I go, you know, this person isn't perfect, but I can trust them. Instead, I may set the relationship up to be one of condition. The, yeah, I trust you today, but I don't know about tomorrow. And looking for mistakes to prove why you can't really trust. So this is difficult. See, if, if a parent was neglectful, perhaps even abusive, the infant learns very quickly mistrust and that the world is undependable, unpredictable, and possibly an extremely dangerous place. Which means that they don't want to go take on the world. They have a hard time with risk-taking. Or they might even do the opposite. They may be cavalier. They may take risks that are very dangerous, not just pushing themselves to see what their limits are, but actually taking risks that are dangerous. So what happens is, while the negative you know, having some experience with mistrust allows the infant to gain an understanding of what constitutes danger. See, this is where God is very good. That even though we are imperfect parents, if we have a bedrock of trust and we make mistakes, then we actually are teaching them that, yeah, the world may not be perfect, and you need to understand what constitutes danger. So it's a good idea to really recognize that our mistakes can work for the good, that God can really use our mistakes for good. It doesn't mean that we just are lazy. It means that we recognize we're not going to do this perfectly. But God gave me this child. 
He knows who he gives children to. It's not happenstance. It's planned. There's a reason. There's a purpose. There's, there's a greater good. And you can trust that. That if God has given you a child, he's doing it for your benefit and for the benefit of the child. And he's not expecting you to be God. He's not expecting you to be perfect. So when we look at this idea, see, the, the, uh, he and his wife in collaboration, uh, Dr. Erickson and his wife, Joan Erickson, they really created eight different stages for healthy development that individuals need to pass through from infancy to adulthood. And all those stages are present at birth, but they only begin to unfold according to this natural scheme of one's ecological and cultural upbringing. So in each stage, the person confronts and hopefully masters these new challenges. So each stage builds upon the successful completion of the earlier stages. So, you know, we can really see why our world struggles so much. Infants are given to mistake-making people, to wounded people, to troubled people, to fallen people. And God knows that, and God is able to compensate. And so when, this, when each stage isn't successfully completed, what happens is it reappears as problems in the future. Now, I'm not wanting you to self-diagnose yourself, and I'm not wanting you to be overwhelmed or thinking, oh my gosh, I got so screwed up growing up. I'm never going to be okay. This is, this is the beauty of growing up. See, God gives all of us the gift of growing up, which means that we transfer our dependency on our earthly parents to our perfect parent. And the nice thing about being in relationship with God is he can undo and redo where our parents lacked, where our parents were just humans doing the best they could, having generations ahead of them that probably didn't do it right. And so the beauty of growing up is saying, wow, I now get to do my life and take hold of my life. And if you've listened to any of the shows, we've talked about being your own parent and that you're with yourself 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and that you can also be a change agent in your own life. You can talk to yourself differently. You can treat yourself differently. You can value you. You can take good care of you the way you may have needed your primary caregiver to do. So it's fixable. That's the most amazing things about humans is how fixable they really are. And when God is a part of that, his spirit is infused in that process, he can make new. He can make everything new. So we can have memory of trauma, but it doesn't mean it's still present. And it doesn't mean it's still active and activating our life choices and our relational experiences. So the nice thing is mastery of a stage is not necessarily obviously required to advance to the next stage. And the outcome of one stage is not permanent. And it can be modified. I mean, this is why I have a job. This is why I go to work every day. Because my, my patients, my clients, they heal. They really heal. 
we really undo and redo where humans failed. And I want to really encourage you to go to the website and look at some of the shows we did on forgiveness. Because every parent needs forgiveness. It is is a noble endeavor to be a parent. It is a grave responsibility. And, And in our best efforts, we're just human parents. And one of the ways to undo and redo is forgive our parents. And recognize that if they could have done better, why wouldn't they have? And maybe what they gave us wasn't good enough. It generally isn't, I have to tell you, because God doesn't want us depending on humans. He wants us depending on him. Ultimately, he's the parent. This is the father we go home to. So I like um, Dr. Erickson's stages of, of development because it really helps us understand that these different life stages are a function. We function, and it's a way of negotiating how we do these different biological forces and social cultural forces. And, it, it's, and it, it shows which ones maybe there was damage in. And what is the corresponding virtue? What, what we're wanting, you know, to have accomplished in that particular stage. And I tell clients every day, the nice thing about growing up as an adult is we catch up to ourselves really quickly. It's not like it takes another 30 years. Once we start the process and we start that healing process, we grow up pretty quickly. So when we think about these different life stages, I want you to say to yourself, my trust versus my mistrust really needs to be worked out with God. And I need to trust who God is in my life. And if I have struggles with the parents that I was given, if I had abusive parents, if I had abandoning parents, if I had neglectful parents or selfish parents, then part of the trust versus mistrust stage for you is reestablishing trust in God as your true father and going through that process with God and challenging God and asking God, why did you give me these parents? Why? I was harmed. I was hurt. I didn't get what I needed. And now I have struggles. And that's when God says, come let us reason together. Let's talk about this. Though their sins, right, are dark. Your sins are dark. I can make all of it white as snow. And this is the part of relationship with God as your primary caregiver. That you say, God, you are my number one entity in which I depend so that I don't put humans in the place of God. I will be let down, right? So we, did, so many of us, most of us had parents or caregivers, you know, that might have somewhat handled this step appropriately. And some of us had parents that did not handle this step at all. But really, either way, our trust always needs to first be in God. Who does not lie and who is our hope? So when you work through that trust issue with God, you know what the corresponding virtue is? Hope. When you trust in the Lord, you then are given hope for your life. And you are able to give hope to others. So we're going to talk tomorrow about, do I trust myself? Do I trust others? And where hope lies. 
so that you have hope in your life. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you for being with me today. Check out the website. Thank you for your comments. There's lots of things on the website that you'll enjoy. Have a great day. Thank you, Jeremy. To hear today's program again or to share it with someone else, please go online, CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Conversations with Cynthia is heard daily at 3 p.m. and 12 noon every Sunday on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. Follow Cynthia on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn at Cynthia Hyatt. Until next time, remember, be your own best version. Yeah.